there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. 33. Center field. Marsh leaps. And he got it. It normally high fly ball deep left field oh 27 does it again for this year wall sends it well out to left center field and it's gone he went to jared way this is brandon marsh the los angeles angels baseball you listen to all angels podcasts and welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. So, you know, I'm a day late, my bad, but, you know, <laughs> between, you know, family coming over and getting, doing a little family thing and also the Angels very, very, very bad um, showing in Baltimore, I didn't really <laughs> feel like doing a podcast on Sunday night like I normally do. So I'm here Monday on an off day and I decided to involve you guys on Instagram live. If you guys do not follow us on Instagram, make sure you do so at halo underscore Haven. I'll jump on there from time to time to answer your questions on Instagram live and have a conversation with you guys. And it's always fun to do that with our followers. So again, if you do not follow us on Instagram, make sure you do so. Um, halo underscore Haven. And it's also on Twitter, halo underscore Haven. So this is going to be an Instagram live episode, if you will, just because what good comes out of talking about the Baltimore series where the angels get swept. So I'm gonna jump on Instagram live. I hope you guys enjoy it. And here we go. And we are on Instagram live right now waiting for people to jump into the chat room. Uh, So if you're not following us on Instagram, please do so at halo underscore Haven, both on Instagram and on Twitter. And This is another one of our Instagram lives as we take questions from our followers. I thought it was a pretty good time to do it now. Obviously, with an off day right now, the disappointing series against the Baltimore Orioles. And quite frankly, probably the last one you probably will see um, the Angels have is against Miami because of the next couple of series coming up for the Angels with uh, the Astros right now at Angel Stadium. And then the last two games uh before the break against Dodgers at Dodger or at Angel Stadium as they prepare Dodger Stadium for the All-Star game. Yes. And if you're watching us on Instagram live, I am wearing the new All-Star hat. Uh I had it a couple weeks ago and I've wore the last couple podcasts. But yes, the All-Star festivities are right around the corner. And there's been a couple players so far announced that be confirmed to be in the home run derby pete alonzo the i think three-time defending champ is in the home run derby you have uh acuna just joined the home run derby and 
I'm not sure who else, maybe some guy that's a future Hall of Famer that played with L.A. and Anaheim for a little bit of time. Oh, yeah. Albert Pools today on Monday announced that he is going to participate in the home run der- in the home run derby. Um, good. I'm glad that's actually, you know, for his last year and him being a quote unquote like ceremonial all star. I'm glad he's actually he's doing it. I don't expect a lot from him, especially in the format that it is now where it's timed. If it was like the old school format where you can take your time, take three or four pitches and then unload on one, then maybe I'll give him a better shot. But with this new format where it's timed and you only have, you know, X amount of time before, you know, it runs out and you get one time out. Yeah, I, I, I would set the under over and I want to see what people say on Instagram live. If I say the under over for Albert Pujols in the home run derby is five and a half under over. I, d- I really doubt he'll get out of the first round with let's say six, but does Albert have enough in him in that short of a time span to go rapid fire and get over five? So if I'm setting the under over at five and a half home runs for Albert Pujols in the home run derby, I got one guy saying over. Uh, he hits more than 5.5. I don't know. I feel like, I truly feel like Albert will hit like three and then just get gassed. Let's not forget Shoyo Otani, you know, one of the most powerful hitters in baseball. Yes, I think he did get over get over six if I remember last year, but he didn't get out of the first round is because he expended so much energy. And, you know, you can tell in the first handful of swings that makes you think like, huh, I wonder if Albert, you know, tries too hard maybe on the first like four or five swings. Uh, does he get does he get enough home runs and does he get, you know, I guess we'll be going from it's supposed to be pretty warm in L.A. for the home run derby. As everyone knows, the kind of the warmer the weather, the um, the farther the ball uh, goes. And who knows, maybe they do something special for Albert. Maybe they juice the balls. Maybe they actually use the balls from two years ago compared to the balls they, they have this year. If they use the 2020 balls, he's going over six. Um, if he's, they're using the balls from this year, uh, I still think he might go under either way. I think it'd be pretty close to see what Albert does in the home run derby, but we're getting, the names are slowly starting to come in now for the derby. Um, personally, I think that's kind of the, the best part for, uh, the home run derby in my eyes. Uh, the all-star game is cool. And there's always some cool moments in the, in the all-star game and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch it, but for what it is, I think the home run derby is pretty fun. And I always kind of make that the number one watch. And then I'll get to the all-star game kind of like in the background if I'm doing something or whatever. But uh, home run derby right now, Pete Alonzo, Acuna, Pujols. I feel like I'm forgetting someone else. But those guys are confirmed uh, in the home run derby. Trout has said he is not doing home run derby. Uh, again, maybe maybe as Angel fans, we'll have to wait like a Pujols thing where Whenever Trout decides, whenever his last year is, maybe then he'll do it. But uh, Vlad Jr. also said he is out of the home run derby. He has officially taken his name out of the running for home run derby. So Vlad Jr. will not be participating in the home run derby. But I'm expecting them to fill out, fill out the field probably within the next, you know, I'm recording this Monday night. I'm probably thinking Wednesday, Thursday. Hopefully they'll have the full field out there for the home run derby. Um, Pete Alonso is going to be a great guy to watch because he's absolutely a beast. Shohei Otani, someone asked earlier about the Shohei Otani in the home run derby. He has not yet said yes or no. So 
take that for what it's worth. But as of right now, Shohei has not confirmed nor denied him being in the home run derby yet. So definitely hold on to that. Upton, man, we might well might as well just get the old timers um in there. Do you know what'd be great too? And I know this is the Angels podcast, but just came to mind with with Albert in in the home run derby. I think it'd be pretty funny and these guys would have a fun time doing it if they got Molina to pitch to Albert being his BP pitcher for uh, the home run derby. Those guys always seem to have a lot of fun together. Those guys always seem to be trying to one up each other. So uh, if Albert really wants to make this fun and make this something to remember, put put Molina out there and let him, let Yadier throw him the BP balls and um, and and let him, let him try to pull those over the fence. How did you get an angel hat early they i actually did not get an angel hat early these actually went on sale um i want to say a week and a half ago probably two weeks i did order it on the first day it came out and i got it probably two days after that but it has been out for a little while and it's um yeah i like the hat i like the jerseys came out today i like the jerseys i put a poll on our instagram story about if whether you guys like the all-star jerseys or not. I I personally like them. It looks like they're going to be doing the same thing they did last year where the the players are going to wear their kind of normal jerseys for the home run derby and wear the special hat that I'm wearing now and uniform for the game. Um, it's a little bit reversed from what the old school was. The old school was they, they would have their, like their special um, yearly jersey for the all-star game during the uh, home run derby. And then their normal uniforms for the game and now it seems like they kind of switched it um also talking about all-star games since last time we record the final rosters have been set well i guess the final rosters there's always some change when it comes to rosters there's always guys um you know kind of saying thank you for inviting me to the all-star game but i i can't play because i have uh you know i'm nursing a hamstring or i'm nursing a hand injury uh but with that being said, the initial roster for the All-Star game does have Shohei Otani as a pitcher. So he will be doing this again, pitching and hitting for the in the All-Star game. They have not yet announced the starter, though, for the game. So we still have to wait to see if Otani will do what he did last year in Colorado, where it is start the game as a pitcher, start the game as a DH. He's already a start for... Um, for DH. Now we're just waiting for the pitcher. And honestly, it works out perfect for him. He's going to pitch on Wednesday against uh, the Astros. And that is six days between that start and possibly the All-Star game. And if you obviously watch the All-Star game in any years past, the starting pitcher maybe goes two innings. So it is very likely that he will be fully available to start the game on on the All-Star game because uh, he lines up perfectly, and it'll be great to see him start both hitting and pitching once again like he did out in Colorado. So, again, there is probably a lot of movement still going to happen with that all-star roster. I do expect, especially on the pitching side, usually if pitchers pitch on like Friday or Saturday, or I think Sunday is an off day for everybody, but they pitch on like Friday or Saturday before the all-star game, they're not going to be available to pitch at the all-star game. So you'll see guys that get kind of brought up um, to be replacements. And we'll see how that kind of plays out. I really, right now, with the season, a lot of the angel pitchers are having. I don't see any other angel pitcher really having a strong case for a replacement spot. But 
that also looks at position players. Maybe position players are, like I mentioned before, nursing a hamstring, nursing a hand, nursing this or that, and they're not willing to play in the All-Star game. Then you can possibly have, you know, Taylor Ward up as, as an All-Star. And that's, if you remember, that's how Jared Walsh got into the All-Star game last year. He was not originally part of the roster that came out, but because people backed out or just couldn't play because of injury, he was able to get in there and be and officially be an all-star. So there's still hope for Taylor Ward to be an all-star this year. We're just going to have to wait and see who's available to play, who's not available to play and where they go with the replacements. I actually do not have a problem with how the voting starting voting went. And I don't have a problem with how the replacements with went. Yes, Taylor Ward had a very good beginning of the season, but the fact of the matter is he hasn't played well as of late, or not not, not as of well, but that all-star caliber level as, as of late, and he has a very short sample size, and you can say he he has this for OPS, and you can say he has this for slugging and all that stuff, but the fact of the matter is he does not qualify for the leader in a lot of those categories because he has not played enough games. Now, does he? can he get in, like I mentioned before, if someone backs out or gets injured? Then yeah, they're fine. But I always like to say if you're going to put in a player or you think a guy got snubbed in an all-star or anything like that, who do you replace him with? Because it's real easy to say, you know, these three or four guys got snubbed. But when you say who do does he replace, that's the question. Who does he replace? Who does not deserve to be an all-star is more of a better question. But we'll see how this plays out. We'll see if any other Angels get into the All-Star game. But as we right now, as we sit, we have Trout starting in center field. Once again, his first time going to be able to play in an All-Star game. And I found this really crazy. Since like 2000 and I believe it's the 18, 2019, he was injured. 2020, there was no All-Star game. 21, obviously injured again. And now he's going to be able to play this season out in Los Angeles. So that should be really fun. Shohei Otani, the other Angel representative in the All-Star game. It almost, it almost feels like when you count All-Stars, you know, this team has X amount, this team has X amount. It almost feels like you have to say the Angels have three All-Stars because Otani represents two different positions. And that is absolutely crazy. So for what it's worth, I kind of feel like the Angels got three All-Stars this year. And if Ward gets in there, they got four. But it's going to be fun. And hopefully Shohei Otani does get that starting nod. Um, and hopefully they announce that soon. Hopefully they also announce what um, what the uh, Home Run Derby participants are going to be, who they're going to be. And they obviously go into some kind of a bracket. Maybe they get Miggy in there. Miggy's the other um, honorary all-star player, I guess, like Albert. So maybe they get Miggy in there to be the the opposite of Albert in the AL. So that would be be pretty fun. So that's about a little bit of all-star talk. Again, the all-star game is over a week, just a little bit over a week away. Probably by the time you're listening to the podcast, it is – the home run derby will be a week away, and then the all-star game will be a week from Wednesday. Starting pitchers still to be announced, but there is a very, very strong chance that Shoei Otani will be on the mound. So obviously, like I mentioned before, Angels just got back from Baltimore after a sweep. Not the good kind of sweep, the bad kind of sweep of the Balt- from the Baltimore Orioles. 
And it is crazy to to see this and Sam Blum from the Athletic past guest on the All Angels podcast. Check him out. Um, I think probably a month ago or two months ago had him on. But he tweeted out from his Twitter account, the Angels, for all the injuries they had last year, and you know we talked about the bullpen and all that stuff, Angels last year never were 11 games below 500 as this team is. Wrap your head around that. That is absolutely crazy. Who besides Noah is a strong deadline candidate if we are sellers? I honestly think we are going to be sellers at this point. But the thing is, there's not a whole lot to sell. You look at at uh, Tyler or Taylor Taylor Wade or whatever. Like Tyler Taylor, whatever. Wade got DFA'd. Mayfield got DFA'd. No one picked him up. Neither one of those guys is making a lot of money. So the fact that some of those guys that has spent a lot of time starting for the Angels aren't even getting picked up through waivers is a big sign of where this team is. So besides Noah Syndergaard, who is um, at the deadline sellers, I say anyone with a one-year contract um, and even maybe some of those relievers that have two-year contracts. So uh, Tapera, Loop, Archie Bradley probably won't be eligible to be traded because of his elbow injury, and he would have been a really good candidate for the trade market. Every single team needs relievers. Every single team wants another reliever, even if it's a kind of like a middle of the bullpen reliever type And for the Angels. They have no problem training from and making their bullpen a little bit deeper, even if that means putting that other guy in the back end of their bullpen. And Tapera, you know, we'll see what happens if Loop, if Loop has a good uh, next three weeks or something like that. Maybe he's he'll be, you know, passed around name-wise. But I honestly think Syndergaard, we'll see, you know, with Lorenzen's injury, I would have said, and before his terrible outing, I would have said he would have been a really good possibility too. But you have to look at got pitchers especially. Everyone needs relievers. You're not going to get a ton back for them. You might get a um, middle reliever. You might trade a middle reliever for like a middle type prospect. It's not going to be earth shattering, but if, Perry is doing his homework and you look at some of the trades he made already the the Andrew he or uh, the Heaney trade uh was that Perry I can't remember if that was last year it seems like forever ago I just this season seems so freaking long but you see some of the trades he's made and some of the guys he's drafted and you kind of start wondering if they're able to pick and choose the 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 prospects they can get out of it if they do their homework right then it can be a contribute to a player and that's the biggest thing even if it's a kind of a middle of the road prospect if that middle of the road prospect is just an average MLB player then I think you win um, Noah Syndergaard I think he is the best pitcher the Angels can dealt right now you know you have to just hope that he continues to develop and puts two or three good outings out there before the trade deadline and his value goes up again. I don't think you'll get a ton for him just because it is a rental, but Noah Syndergaard, I think has the most value on the team. Cause if you look around position player wise, there's not a whole lot of value there. Your, your Villar's not going to be tradable. I mean, he was on the market. He was DFA'd and, and the angels picked him up. So he's not going to be really appetizing to anybody. Um, you look at the middle infield spot, Stefanik, I think a lot of teams are going to be, it's too early and um, maybe he needs another year or so to kind of have that value if he ever is going to be like a trade kind of candidate. But, you know, Walsh at first, I maybe Walsh at first, but uh, I don't know what you do there. He has ton of years of control. So 
from that aspect, you don't want to do it or you don't really have to do it. But there's not a whole lot of value in what the Angels have with their major league roster right now. So, yeah, Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Loop, Tapera. Um, I doubt anyone takes Iglesias' number right now um, just because it's kind of a big number for a reliever and he hasn't really shown the consistency that he had last year. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, not a whole lot of angels available for selling right now. Sort of new to baseball. Uh, are the angels technically out of the wild card spot? Help me out. Technically, mathematically, they are not out of the wild card spot. Technically. But you can kind of see the writing on the roll, on the wall. A lot of the teams around them where they would have to leapfrog are playing really good baseball right now. So, yes, technically, mathematically, they're still in it. They can always run off a 14-game winning streak and be right in it. But if you're looking at, and I always do it this way, it's easy for anyone to come on here or any other podcast and say, this is going to happen. I, I know it's going to happen with no kind of repercussions behind it. If it doesn't happen, no one remembers. And if it does happen, you, you're able to go out there and be like, yep, I said it. Yep, I said it. But they never come around and talk about what they got wrong. But I always think about it this way. If I myself had to put up the mortgage on my house or my condo, would I bet for the Angels or against the Angels in this spot? And I would probably bet against the Angels making the playoffs in right now. And that's just, honestly, the way they're playing right now, it's not great. There's still a lot of question marks around this lineup and what kind of approach they have to um, at the plate. What are they looking for at the plate? How are they gone from one of the – most feared lineups early in baseball to one of the easiest, what feels like the most easiest lineup to get around. Uh, you know, you kind of pitch around Trout and Otani a little bit, and even a lot of times too, and this is kind of the joke you'll hear going around, is that you can hear a a line score of Trout being two for four with a home run and three RBIs and Otani, you know, being one for four with a home run and an RBI and the Angels are still losing you know, nine to five. And that's kind of how it feels right now. So the Angels lineup right now isn't necessarily the most dangerous and it hasn't been for quite a while. And that's frustrating. That is very, very frustrating. And I don't know how much is it on the coaches and how much is it on just the players and their approach at the plate. And I think the easiest thing for people to do is to blame the hitting coaches. And I totally understand that and it makes sense. But and this is just my opinion of it, and I don't know any facts behind it, but just kind of seeing what baseball is now compared to you know the 90s and early 2000s, is that a hitting coach back then, they were really, really important because when you get when you get to the plate and you strike out or whatever, it is the the hitting coach's responsibility to come back at you and say, hey, your hips flying open or you're not staying back or your hands are too active or whatever. But nowadays, you know, it doesn't seem like that kind, of, that kind of communication is super important or super necessary because you see it every single time a guy gets out or a guy, even if a guy gets a hit, but every time he comes back to the bullpen or the uh, dugout, what's the first thing he does? He walks over grabs an iPad and he sits there for himself and looks at what he does. He doesn't need he doesn't need to rely on the eyes of a hitting coach to tell him what he's doing wrong or what he needs to fix. That player 
is taking kind of responsibility for himself and is pulling up an iPad, looking at it and being like, oh, wow, this is why I strike out or wow, this is how he got me out or this is how he set me up. So I don't know how much of that is on coaching and how much of that is just guys not being able to translate the own information that they're seeing with their eyes on an iPad and being able to be like, yeah, I need to change this or wow, man, I'm really flying open or here or wow, I'm really early on this changeup or wow, I am doing this or my timing's off. Like how much of that is on the coach and how much of that is on the the player? And I, and I don't know because it is a new kind of baseball now and it's just, it feels like every single time a player opens up an iPad, he doesn't go to his hitting coach anymore. He doesn't go and talk to him you know, right away. He goes to the iPad and looks at it. So, yes, do the Angels need new hitting coaches? Probably. I mean, at this point, it definitely wouldn't hurt. But I'm not sold on the fact that if they get new hitting coaches, the the results will change that drastically. That's that's my opinion on pitching, on hitting coaches, is that, yes, you can put new ones in there, but I just don't know how much of that is going to change everything. And as Tony said on here, uh, bad hitting is contagious. And I, I believe that. And, you, and I guess this is kind of a good proof of that is when everyone was clicking on all cylinders, everyone was clicking on all cylinders. And now when guys are struggling now, I don't know if other guys are now thinking that they have to pick up the slack and now they are struggling because of that or what it's, it's very interesting to see how the dynamics of new baseball is. Who do you put the blame on? Do you put the blame on the coaches or do you put the blame on the players where they have all the information in front of them? Why aren't they? These are grown ass men. Let's be honest. They're grown ass men. Why aren't they making their own adjustments? And, and, and who, Mike Trout, let's say for Mike Trout, who the hell is going to teach Mike Trout how to hit? If he doesn't know how to hit by now, no, no batting coach, no hitting coach is ever going to teach him otherwise. I mean, let's be honest. When, when Trout goes into these crazy slumps, is it because of the hitting coach or is it Mike Trout? Is it, is it, you know, like I said, what hitting coach out there is going to teach Mike Trout anything? They can make suggestions, but if we're going to sit here and say he, Mike Trout doesn't see what he's doing and try to make adjustments on his own, I think it's just crazy. Uh, now going to the other side, Max Johnson asked new pitching coach. That is really interesting, and that has been a constant up and down for me because at times uh, Matt Weiss has shown to be a pretty good pitching coach. I mean, you look at some of the starting pitching numbers as of late, they're actually pretty good. Then you look at the bullpen, and they've been kind of bad. So, and the same thing with the hitting coach. How much is that on him, and how much of that is on individual players? It's hard for me to criticize, you know, Matt Weiss for what's going on with Tapera and Loop and 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 Iglesias and whoever else is struggling. But then turn around and be like, "Wow, this you know Sandoval looked good." Noah's looking better. Shohei's unbelievable. Uh, you know these guys look really good. So is it just you? You blame the the coach for all the bad, and you just like ah, eh, it's not even. It's it's the players when it, when they're good. It it just feels kind of up and down about it. What I say, what I will say with with Matt Weiss, and I said this on other podcasts uh, before, is that he's kind of he's fairly young in this in this pitching coach game. Um, you saw that last season when he got thrown into it, that he struggled at the beginning, but it did seem like the pitching and the starting pitching towards the end of last year did start to come around a little bit. You're seeing times where it's coming around this year. 
but he's young. I'm sure there's times where he probably regrets saying this or not doing that or wish he would have spent more time on this. But he's a young coach and like a young player. I think at some point you need to let him try to develop who he is and who his voice is and what his ideals are. And it sucks that the Angels defense or offense hasn't helped at all. Because I think if the Angels score more runs in the last week and a half and they're winning more games, I think it's a totally different story. It's, it's wow, the pitching did really good and our offense just get, did put us over the top. So I don't know what is what when it comes to that, but I do like Weiss. I think to put everything on him, to put to Paris and Lo- or Loops, especially Loops um, struggles and Michael Lorenzen struggles and all that stuff on Weiss himself, I think it's kind of unfair. I think it's, it is about of um, a little bit of a, you have to look at the players too, because there are some players that are really developing really well so far this year, young pitchers, you know, Sandoval, Detmers, and, um, you know, I think those guys are really going to be really, really well. You look at Andrew Wants, you look at Austin Warren when he comes back, those younger guys. It just seems like, and this could be just me thinking out loud, but it just does seem like the older guys are kind of set in their ways. And even if Weiss is coming up to him saying this and saying that, it almost feels like the older guys don't respect him as far as like, oh, you've just been doing this for the last couple of years. I've been pitching in the majors for the last 10. I know what's going on. You don't. And it doesn't seem like there's that connection with them where you look at some of the younger guys, like I mentioned, Sandoval, Detmers, Wants, Ortega, uh, Warren, guys that are just coming up and want to learn and don't have that kind of I've been here for a while kind of attitude are really listening to him and they are doing better. I mean, look at Andrew Wants, look at Austin Warren, look at, you know, some of these other guys who were not supposed to be where they are right now. Let's be honest, Warren and Wants, Ortega, like some of these younger guys until like two years ago, we had no idea who they were. You know, the average Angel fan had no idea who they were, but is it just pure, you know, skill that put them in the majors? Yeah, I'm sure of it. But to say that the pitching coach and, and 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 Weiss had nothing to do with it at all, and these guys were going to be here regardless. I think is a little unfair, also. So, with that, all that being said, the Angels are probably going to clear house. They're probably going to clear house because at some point, people like to say this team needs to be held accountable, or this management needs to be held accountable for what is going on right now, and they do because those, this season has been very very bad. But who's going to be held accountable? It's not going to be Artie. Who's going to hold Artie accountable? Not no one. Those checks clear? Yeah. Good. He's happy. So no one's going to hold Artie. And let's be honest. I think everyone on here on our Instagram live and listening on the podcast can agree. That is the major problem. That is the problem. But no one's going to hold him accountable. So like the saying says, shit rolls downhill. Now it's going down onto Artie or uh, onto Perry. Sorry. What does he do now? To save his own ass. Because guess what? Perry probably gets one hire. One manager hire to get things right. If whoever the new manager comes in and it doesn't start clicking or at least showing some kind of improvement. Right now they're going backwards. Like I mentioned before, the team last year with all the injuries and everything like that were never 11, 11 games below 500 like the Angels are sitting right now on Monday, the off day. 
So if our so if Perry puts in a new manager at the end of this year and that manager doesn't pan out, it's going to be Artie, or it's going to be sorry Perry that is going to pay the price. It's never going to be Artie. It's going to be Perry. So yes, it'll be great for someone to hold this team accountable, but I don't know how you do it. So Perry's going to start holding the the, the, the staff accountable, and he should. He should, and we'll see how that plays out. But I'm just not sure how a new pitching coach, new hitting coach is totally going to flip this team around. At a certain point, you need to look at the players. You need to look at the individuals that are on the field and ask yourself, are they a winning combination of players? And how much am I willing to spend or how much are they willing to spend, the Angels willing to spend on certain free agents? We can go back to the beginning of this year and so many people were so happy about the Angels building up that bullpen, spending the money for the bullpen, getting these names in the bullpen. Now we fast forward to the All-Star break and now we are just as worried as uh just as worried with the bullpen as we were last year, if not even more so, and that's kind of a scary point because they did invest in the bullpen. And a lot of people were excited they invested in the bullpen. But look at where it's at now. Sometimes investing isn't necessarily the answer. And what I'm worried about as a fan, and I could be in the minority in this situation, is that the Angels start investing too much in the free agency, trying to hurry up and build this up. It's going to be a slow burn. I hate to tell fans this, but if the Angels really want to get to where, where us, us fans wanted to get to, it's going to be a slow burn because they do need to develop some depth. And that doesn't happen overnight. You can't develop death by, by picking up guys off the waiver wire or picking up guys that got just fly out released and signed to a minor league contract. And next thing you know, they're starting for you um, the third week of the season. That's just, that doesn't build depth. You know, you have to really put in the money to hire better scouts, invest, invest in your minor leaguers, you know, whether that's on field and off the field, you have to do it. You look at some of the teams that have um, really, really succeeded over the last four years, five years, and look at what their what their farm system looks like. You know, the Astros continue just to plug in new guys. They lost Carlos Correa, and they don't miss him at all. They got rid of, you know, Garrett Cole a handful of years ago. Nothing at all. <laughs> so it is crazy to see Dodgers, too. They'd be losing players left and right. And they don't miss anyone at all. You have to build this farm system. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen overnight. But if we as fans want to see this team succeed, it truly does feel like that's the only way that this team will succeed is that you have to be patient. You can't be too jumpy and just sign every free agent that you think you need. You're going to have to develop guys first and let those free agents fill gaps. It almost feels like it almost feels like the Angels are doing it in reverse. They're trying to build a team with free agents and pick and choose prospects and, and young guys to fill in the gaps, when in reality, it has to be the other way around. You have to invest in your minor league guys, your younger guys, because they're cheap and affordable, and then you can fill in the gaps with really good free agents. And it just seems like the Angels have been doing it backwards. Aaron said, we need to rebuild. Artie won't allow it as he would lose money, and Perry would take the blame for the team struggling mid-rebuild. Absolutely. And that's, and I, I honestly think that's one of the hardest things to do in baseball is be a GM or any sport is be a GM because you also have to look at the future of your franchise without giving up completely on 
the now. And again, part of the reason why the Astros are doing so well is that the core of this team, the core of this team, let's not forget how many games the Astros lost in the early 2010s. They were losing 100 games, 105 games, and then they rebuilt that farm system, but then they also spent money to on development and scouting to keep that farm system clicking. So they put a whole bunch of prospects in there. They put a whole bunch of good uh, baseball guys around those young prospects and now look at them. And that's kind of what the Angels need to do. I don't know if they need to lose 105 games for like three years in a row, but it, it, a sad part, it, it works. It, a lot of times that works, especially if you have the great, a great scout or a great development team in the minor leagues. Look at Sandy, minor leaguer traded for Maldonado. Now we might... Now he might be their best player. Yeah, right. But when you traded Maldonado, you traded for Sandy. Great. But he was still, I think, two years away from making his debut, which is great. But again, that took time. Sandy was not a guy that came up right away with the major leagues or even the next year. But moves like that, moves that you can do that maybe this year with Noah Syndergaard, maybe you are able to get a pitcher that – and if I remember correctly, Sandy wasn't necessarily like one of the top prospects from the Astros. Their 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 depth was so good that Sandy probably could have been like a top pitcher in the Angels prospects, but was like maybe like fifth or sixth best pitcher in the Astros prospect. But that's the kind of thing you have to look for. Look for the, these mid-level guys or upper mid-level guys and hopefully turn them into something. And that's exactly what happened with Sandoval. Higher chance already sells or already rebuilds unfortunately, you know, rebuild in my eyes is a tanking, totally tanking a hundred and something games, losing to get good draft picks. I don't think that will ever happen. I think higher chance already sells or already rebuilds. I think already dies. <laughs> I think honestly, he's a little bit older, but who knows? That sounds kind of morbid, but you know, let's see. Um, let's see what happens. Exactly. All about patience. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes you just need to get lucky. And, and, and unfortunately, that's been the complete opposite of the Angels for the past billion years. Is that sometimes they're just unlucky. This year was supposed to be the year they got. If you were to get in a time machine, go back, talk to your friends that are Angel fans, and you can say, I'm from, I'm from July. I'm going to tell you, Otani's healthy. Trout is pretty much healthy missed a little bit of time but he's pretty healthy he's, he's he's good to go you know walsh is starting at first base you know marsh is starting out in left field and you know you would be like oh man they got this thing clicking let's go yeah they're probably in the wild card spot right now and then you look and you tell them nope guess what they're 11 games below 500 it is crazy with the roster they have now they are missing fletcher and rendon and yes those are two bigger pieces or middle-ish uh, pieces, but you still wouldn't think this team would be that bad without those guys. What do you think the Angels draft strategy is this year? Draft is also coming up during the All-Star weekend, I believe. I believe the, the draft might be actually be Sunday. I'm not sure, but it is coming up. What I feel, and there's another question, pitching heavy, maybe power hitters since they have tons of athletes. Yeah, that's the one thing where last year was great with the angels rebuild the pitching staff 20 draft 20 pitchers 20 rounds sign 19 of them and all but one were in college so they're already kind of closer to the majors but now what we're seeing as fans is that now they're lacking position player depth you know they had position players that were young athletic excitable green 
very green, but you could see like, wow, if he puts this, this, and this together, or ooh, if he cuts back on strikeouts, this can be someone special. And those guys still have that about them. Those guys are still developing. A lot of those guys are in double A right now, which is a very good level for those guys and for us fans to see what you know they can be in the future. Double A is a very, very good level to judge if someone is going to be a legit prospect to where he can make a top 100 list or anything like that, more so than I think AAA. So those guys are right there, and maybe they're still two years away, but you need something in the meantime. So in this draft, would I be surprised if they go, you know, not so pitching heavy? Maybe instead of going 100% pitching, if they go 75% pitching and 25% um, college position players? No. I'm, again, I'm no draft expert. I'm just kind of what I want to see. And again, it doesn't really matter what the draft strategy is. You have to hit on the draft <laughs> on the draft picks. If you hit the draft picks, it doesn't matter what your strategy is. It, it all works out. But yes, I would like to see more position players this year, obviously, than last year, them going for 20 for 20, just because I feel like they need position player depth. Now we're seeing it now with guys being brought up. They have pretty much no, I not idea, but just these aren't guys that are going to make you know a world of difference for this team. If anything, it kind of regresses the team a little bit. So I would love to see more position players in the draft this year because it feels like they got a good amount of pitchers last year. But don't skip on pitchers this year. Don't do the opposite and get nothing but position players and and just ignore pitching. No, they need to get pitching, but you also need to get a good handful, maybe even two handfuls worth of position players in there to help that part of the depth. Uh, just need to rip the Band-Aid off and trade Otani while he still can pull a couple of top pros- top five prospects from another team like what the Sox got for Mookie. Yeah, um, that's going to be interesting. And a lot of people are saying do it now. I'm not sold on doing it now for this reason. The way you get multiple top prospects, the way you get a haul for a trade of a big name is that you need more people to like anything to uh, compete for that for that guy to be in on the bidding of that guy right now if you trade him at the deadline what is there maybe five six teams that are willing to do that for this time period where if you wait till the end of the year instead of having maybe five to ten teams in on Otani you're gonna have 29 teams in on Otani realistically well maybe not realistically you're gonna have 29 available to get Otani and then maybe 20 that will actually do it because of the pay and the look to extend them and all that stuff. So you still have an opportunity to trade them later after this season. If you are not, if you feel like you absolutely cannot get a deal done and there's no way this is going to go, then yeah. But I think you have a better chance or you a better chance of getting more if you wait till the end of the year because you'll have more teams in on Otani that can compete against each other to sweeten the pot and maybe give you a little bit more. You're able to, well, this team gave us this. What are you willing to give up and kind of play that game a little bit? So I would be more, I'll be more interesting to see. um, um, I'll be more interested to see if it happens at the end of this year compared to this trading deadline. Might Adele get, uh, I think Adele's, is coming back up the team soon. I hope so. At this point, I think you have nothing to lose. You might as well bring them up right now. Um, if you want to move to another topic, yeah, why not? Um, what are your thoughts about Weaver retiring as an angel? Eh, I'm whatever. I mean, that's cool. But um, with this team's history of like embracing past players being so crappy, I'm just like, that'd be really cool, but I don't get jazzed up like, wow, that's really cool. This guy came back for one day to retire as 
you know, as as a, you know, angel or as a padre or as a um, Rocky or whatever, like, okay, you've been retired for five years. And now just because you said you weren't retired, you're going to now be officially retired. I'm just like, dude, I thought, I thought Weaver was retired. He hasn't pitched in like five or six years. Now he's going to be retired. I'm just like, okay. Um, Do you think uh, Velasquez will be in a trade deal? Maybe if he is, he'll be like a side piece in a trade deal because he's just going to be good for a team that's, that needs like a defensive replacement late in games. He's not going to be a trade deal where it's like, yeah, he's the guy that's missing or a guy that's the missing piece for a contending team. If anything, um, yeah, he'll be, you know, there'll be a deal and he'll be like the guy just kind of pushed in there to make this pot a little sweeter just because, like I said, he'll be a defensive replacement for a good team uh, in the playoffs or in a playoff run. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to start for a good team for a, a playoff run. Do the Angels resign Syndergaard and Lorenzen in offseason? I hope not. I hope not. Um, I think Syndergaard, I think Syndergaard more so than Lorenzen, and that's only if that deal is very team-friendly. Um, but I doubt that Syndergaard will be willing to do that. He owes people like to say, well, he owes the angels for giving an opportunity. He doesn't owe the angels Jack. He doesn't. And I think he will try to get the top dollar. And if it's going into a bidding war for Syndergaard with another team, let the other team have him. Um, Syndergaard's doing better. He's doing good. But the last thing the angels really want to do is, Get in a bidding war for a guy for Noah Syndergaard that will probably pay off for the first uh, two years of a of a, like a six year contract, probably not the last four, and you're in another crappy position. But I just don't think Syndergaard or Lorenzen are with the team next year. Syndergaard only if it's team friendly, but I highly highly doubt that he's going to sit there and be like, "Yeah, I want to come back to the Angels. I see myself as an Angels through and through." Like I don't see that at all. You see Stefanik at second base and Fletcher at shortstop after the All-Star break. It's going to be interesting to see where they put Fletcher because Renjifo is doing better. Um, obviously, Stefanik is doing really, really good right now. He's, you know, for the past week and a half, I think he's been up. He's been doing really, really well. What I'm interested in seeing in Stefanik, and I say this about every young guy, every prospect, every guy that makes an MLB debut, is how is he going to do when the league adjusts to him? The league will find a hole in his swing. They haven't yet, but nine times out of ten, they find a hole in every guy's swing. They are just too good. of Pitchers are just too good nowadays to not. What's going to happen when that happens? Is he going to be able to adjust and fix it? And I think that's the biggest thing going on right now with Brandon Marsh. They found a hole. They found a huge hole right now where, you know, uh, whether it's how pitches are set up or how they uh, execute those pitches. But they found a hole in in Marsh's swing. Are they going to be able to do the same thing with Stefanik? Now, if they don't and Stefanik continues to get on base and continues to get hits, then, yeah, um, uh, then I think you put – oh, man. Honestly, I think you might put Stefanik a second – Renjifo at short and maybe, uh, oh man, I don't know. Fletcher at third is a really good one too. You'll see how that hip comes out. I don't know if they'll play him full time right away, Fletcher. So maybe you you split time between Valar and Fletcher um, at third for right now until you feel like he's 100% healthy from that hip. And when the time comes where you do, maybe you really do look at maybe um, 
at Stefanik and 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 uh, uh, um, Renhifo because Renhifo's doing really well too, and it, that's that's kind of that's kind of crazy. Uh, is Syndergaard a real one? Uh, is, is a real one? He'll stay. I don't know if he'll stay. I don't think he'll stay at all. Uh, how many games do we win prior to the All Star game? I unfortunately, if it's if Otani doesn't win on. Wednesday, I, I think it's kind of zero, <laughs> to be honest. But you never know. Baseball is crazy that way. One good bounce, one one bad strike call for the other team. The first strikeout can change the game around. Uh, Fletcher would, would have a noodle. He actually played third base the first time Anthony Rendon got injured, and he was a gold glove finalist at third base. So don't sleep on um, Fletcher at third. He's done it before. He's actually done it for a while, for almost a whole season. And he was very, very good at it. Go look up the numbers when he played third base when Rendon was out. Um, I believe it was in 2000. Shit, it could have been 2019, 2020, 2021. Whenever Rendon was out and Fletcher was there, Fletcher was a finalist at, for third base as a gold glove. So uh, Fletcher can definitely play third base. I love how Stefanik and Fletcher and Rahifo are both small players who are kind of uh, are the key to driving in runs. Yeah, and it shows that they're just trying to put the ball in play sometimes. So we'll see what happens. But I think, I think obviously the the, the move right now is to let Rendon and, or not Rendon Renhifo and Stefanik battle out for that second you know second base spot. And we'll see if, like I mentioned, if Major League Baseball catches up to. Stefanik and finds anything wrong with his swing and he holds in his swing and it normally happens and it's up to the guy to change it but we'll have to wait and see and only time will tell and, and now that he's getting more at bats there's more film on him there's more tendencies on him that we'll see how the beginning of August goes and and we'll see how that all works out underrated uh how much we miss Rendon his defense is great and bat and bat needs to be there next season yeah I think Rendon is underrated granted he's not worth what he is getting paid. I get that, but he is still very good at baseball. He's still very good. Maybe not the money's getting paid good, but he's still a very good baseball player. Jared Walsh needs to be more consistent. Uh, uh, leaves the batter's box striking out with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I think everyone. I think that's everyone. Jared Walsh, Ward, Trout, Otani. Everyone needs to be way more consistent uh, for what they've done the last. You know. Um, you know, a handful of months, the last two months for sure. So everyone needs to be more consistent. That's that's not a crazy theory at all. But yeah, Walsh definitely needs to be one. He's a guy that was last year was an all-star and you're hoping from the take the next step. And I kind of feel like at, at a certain point, he's kind of regressed a little bit from last year. And that's unfortunate because coming into the season, the reason why I think a lot of not only fans, but baseball people were like, looking for the Angels to take that next step was because Walsh was going to get better. Ward was going to get better. They were going to get these young guys like Adele and Marsh, and they were going to get better. But a lot of these guys are now feel like almost taking like a half step back. They need to be able to get these guys going forward a little bit more. Can you see Ward getting time at first base against lefty if Adele comes up? You know, everything going on right now, we completely forget about Matt Duffy and what the heck's going on with him and his injury. If he comes back, I don't know if he comes back when he does, he was doing that first base platoon with Walsh, uh, David McKinnon's right there right now for against lefties at times. So he's going to be getting at bats right now. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Ward or with Adele, with McKinnon, with Walsh. There's a lot of guys, but Neither one of them put a lot of confidence in your heart, let's be honest. Like those guys are kind of being 
rotated around and you're just kind of like, okay, it's just this guy. Okay, it's just this guy. You, none of them are really like, yeah, this guy's a guy in this position. You, I love it, this guy in this position. I don't get that feeling from any one of these guys. And it's nothing personal about the guys, but it's just performance-based right now. I wish the players caught up on how when Fletcher is always down 0-2, he chokes up in the bat to make sure he's able to get the ball into play and drive in runs. And that's part of the reason why small ball is you know kind of diminishing a little bit and people wish that, you're right, um, Abraham King, 17, that, yeah, it would be nice to have a, a two-strike a two approach. But the way baseball is rewarding players and free agency and arbitration and all that stuff isn't necessarily like average and balls in play and all that stuff. They're looking at home runs, RBIs, runs, slugging, all that stuff. So until the pay scale changes to reward average and on base and all that stuff or just – putting balls in play more until the reward changes and they get those guys get more money. It's not going to change because guys are just trying to secure the bag and trying to get more money. And that's what they do. They, they, they find the things that are getting more money pay wise and they're doing it. Walsh needs to start pitching again. If he can't stay consistent at the plate, um, who do you think they'll go after? I don't think they'll go after anybody. If anything, it's going to be like a medium prospect for a medium prospect kind of trade deadline for the angels. If they don't sell, but I highly, I highly, highly doubt that they don't sell. I think that's the side they're leaning on right now. Uh, here's a question that popped up. Kai Bush, when do you think he will be called up? Kai Bush and a lot of those guys down there in AA are doing really, really well. I don't want to see, personally, and it's nothing to do with Kai Bush at all and his what he's doing this season, I personally do not want to see him up in the majors this year. They do not need to rush him. This season is not going to be turned around by having Kai Bush start every sixth day. It's not. The worst thing in the world they can do right now is rush Kai Bush up to the majors. Go and even if that means they go to the Mackenzie Gore um, timeline, maybe not that long, but Mackenzie Gore was like in the Futures game like uh, three years ago, four years ago, and now he just barely made his debut this year. There's no reason to bring up Kai Bush at all, at all. There's no way to, uh, there's no reason to do it. I'd rather have him stay in double A. He's doing so good in double A. I'm sure he's learning a ton, um, but there's no reason to see him up this year, but I am very excited for next season because I do think next season he is going to compete for a spot in the rotation for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on trading for Angels, Andujar type player from the Yankees? Again, it depends on what they want. Um, I don't feel like right now losing top prospects to get Andujar is the answer. Like a, a, the, the, the farm system is finally starting to be something, starting to win something. Let's keep it going. Now, if it's they're looking for like second, third level prospects for it, then yeah, okay, that's fine. But if you're looking at a Kai Bush, Bach, like your top, top guys, then no, I, I say pass on that 100%. Do you see the Angels becoming the 2021 Braves that under 500 and ended up pushing each day and ended up finishing a spot and finding a spot in the playoffs? That would be great. But like I said, I wouldn't bet on it. I'm not going to put, you know, my mortgage on it by any means just because that was really cool for the Braves to do that. But they also made quite a bit of moves in the, in the trade deadline because they had prospects who trade away to get players. Granted, none of those players were like top end players, but they still were able to have prospects be traded away and able to make that push for the world series. Anything can happen in baseball. Again, 
Angels go on a 14-game winning streak after the All-Star break changes everything. But you have to see some kind of uh, progression at some point. And we're just not seeing that as fans. We're seeing a more of a regression than a progression. So, yes, I would love to see that. And that would be an awesome story to write a book about the 2022 Angels. But I just, you know, it's it's a, it's way down the line for me to see that actually happening. And then we're probably not going to see it happening until we're in the middle of it. But that is definitely, um, you know, anything is possible. So Joe Madden loses for two weeks and he gets fired. The Angels don't hit for eight weeks and the hitting coaches still has his job. I said this before. Check out the podcast dropping uh, tomorrow. Is it the hitting coach's fault or is it the guys who go to their iPads after every at-bat that can look at every single thing that's happening to their at-bats, past, present, all that stuff, and they're not making adjustments. These guys are adults, grown-ass men, and some of these men are the best freaking players of a generation, and they themselves can't make adjustments. They have all the technology in the world to see it right in front of them, and if they still don't make adjustments, how is that on the pitching or the hitting coach? I don't know. I don't get nowadays baseball why we even have a hitting coach, to tell you the truth. Everyone has their own hitting coach in the offseason that does their own thing, and they all have iPads to watch what they're doing once they come off the field. So um, you think Toussaint gets some starts, or do you think he develops? He's kind of the guy that's already been in the majors, so you don't – that the whole let's not rush him thing I think kind of goes out the window with him. I think if there's another kind of serious injury, I think he might be the next guy up in the uh, rotation. Crazy that the Angels are still only seven games out of the final wild card spot. Yeah, you got to love that the fact that there's a third wild card spot and you probably won't be out of it officially until about, you know, mid September, even if the Angels keep on playing terribly. Um, we need to go on that post all star role like we always do. Yeah, I mean, you get on a good, like I said, you get on a good two week roll, maybe not 14 in a row, but if you win like 12 out of 14, 11 out of 14, this will look a lot different after two weeks. But again, from what you're seeing against Miami and what you're seeing against Baltimore, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to see that coming and you wish it comes, you hope it comes, but it's hard to see that in the crystal ball and, and, and see it going forward, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what goes forward. Um, but you know, thank you again for everyone jumping on Instagram live again, all-star break coming just around the corner and hopefully this is what the Angels need to kind of recharge and go out there and really perform because this next uh, week of games are going to be very, very tough against the Astros and the Dodgers. And I want to thank everyone who jumped on our Instagram live. Again, Halo underscore Haven. We're definitely going to have another one during the All-Star break next week. Um, you know, by that point, we'll have... Every, we'll know everyone who's in the All-Star break, maybe, or an All-Star game in the all Home Run Derby. Maybe I'll do it after the game so we can kind of talk about also the All-Star game and Derby and what Albert Pujols, if did he get over that five and a half home run number? So we'll see what happens, and hopefully we will be able to talk better about Angels baseball going into the future after the All-Star break. So before I go, let's look real quick to the beginning of the Houston Astros series. Astros in Anaheim for three games starting on Tuesday. First game, you have Luis Garcia versus Noah Syndergaard on the mound. Again, we talked about Noah Syndergaard. What is his value 
on the trade market and needs to start now putting two, three, four strong starts together back to back. And if the Angels are serious about, you know, selling because things still aren't going their way, Noah Syndergaard will be a very good um, piece to kind of dangle out there and see what they can get for him at the trade deadline. Wednesday, personally, I think the Angels' best chance of getting a win during this homestand is going to be Shohei Otani, the two-way all-star again. Again, I said it during the Instagram Live. I look at it like the Angels got three all-stars. Otani as a DH, Otani as a starter, and Mike Trout as a center fielder. But he will go against Christian Javier. And this is going to be pretty probably a, a pretty good pitching duel. The whole, I mean, again, Astros have very, very good pitching. I was really hoping for Justin Verlander in this spot against Otani, but yet again, it does not happen. I think Verlander is ducking Shohei Otani. Because on the last game of the series on Thursday, you have Falmer Valdez versus TBD. Will it be Detmers? Detmers had a very, very good outing last time in Baltimore. Unfortunately, between the offense not being able to hold it and the bullpen not being able to hold it, he did not get the W that he deserved. And one thing that we did not mention in the Instagram Live, and I'm surprised no one brought it up, was that Detmers' time in AAA and how he was able to flip it around after one start. And reports came out that he was able to really hone his slider more so than he has been all season while spending time with the – and it's not even – a they didn't call him a pitching coach. They called him a pitching coordinator out in Salt Lake. And I think that's the biggest discrepancy or the biggest difference between AAA and, and the majors. In AAA – you can afford to put, you know, your pitching coach or in this case your pitching coordinator with one guy and break it down day by day and just work on with him and not really worry about anyone, sadly, not worry about anyone else. And if you lose the game, ah, whatever, AAA. Or, you know, this guy struggles, ah, I'll get to him later, it's AAA, whatever. In the majors, I feel like you can't do that. You have to be, you know, talking to all your starters or your that day starters with all the guys in the, in the bullpen who are – going to possibly pitch that day and then obviously the next day you're talking to the next day's pitcher and working on that and you know I feel like in AAA you're able to spend more time with a certain pitcher than you are in the majors because in the majors you're trying to win that day and you're worried about making the best plan for that day you can't afford to be like yeah I know we have a game against Baltimore but I'm gonna go spend all my time with three Detmers right now and you guys can go over there and just figure it out you know, I don't think you can do that in the majors. And I think that's what allows, and that's honestly, that's why I think a lot of pitchers go down to AAA to get stuff worked on is that it's not because the guy down there is a super guru or anything like that. I think they can afford to be like, hey, this guy is up for, or down from the majors. Spend the next day and a half just with him and don't worry about everyone everyone else. And that's why, too, you see a lot more development come out of AA then AAA, because AA, again, you're kind of focused on the group and, and learning and teaching and, and that aspect, where in AAA, you, you have a singular job. Get this guy ready for the game. Get this guy ready for his next at-bat or next at-bat, next or next pitching uh time through the rotation you can't do that in the majors you just you have to spend time with everybody everyone has to be on all cylinders and you can't afford to be like hey everyone else figure it out i'm gonna spend my time with you know sandoval or all my time with detmer so i think that's the biggest thing i don't think it's as easy as like oh why don't we just pick up the salt lake guy and put him in anaheim and then problem solved i don't i i don't think that's that's the easy way of fixing it i don't think that's how it happens so 
we'll see what happens going forward. But that was the topic that I was really, really surprised that never came up during our Instagram live session. So that's going to do it for the preview of this game. Again, the Angels are facing the Astros on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, in Anaheim. And then they have the last two games before the All-Star break. Friday, Saturday against the Dodgers. We'll be back Thursday night to talk about the Astros series. And hopefully we'll have a W under the belt with Shoei Otani on the mound. Or maybe, you know, baseball happens and the the Angels are able to win a couple games in this series because you have to feel like if the Angels are going to put together some kind of a streak at the end of the at the end of the All Star break, you need to see some kind of signs of life, almost like or signs of improvement. It doesn't feel like that's happening right now. So, again, we'll see what happens. Um, I'll be back Thursday night. You can always reach us at our our social media DMs, Halo underscore Haven, Twitter, and on Instagram. Love talking with a lot of you guys. Do it almost daily after a post or something like that. And I really, really enjoy going back and forth with you guys. Or if you want to leave a voicemail and get your voice on the podcast, you can always do that by calling 951-384-0810. It will be in the description of this podcast down below. So make sure to check it out. Save it on your phone. Call us. It can be in the middle of the game, after a game. Just let your voice be heard. Question, take, comment, anything you want. So definitely check it out. So I am Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match.
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.